I want to tell you real quick how, how, how Fred and I uh, came to meet each other. Um, years ago, we had a, a really sad accident in our church. Somebody that I think some of you at Crosslands know, Andrew Clouk. And uh, just when I had moved here, uh, I hadn't been here a year. And somebody in our congregation, a really bad accident left them paralyzed. And Crosslands took up a a donation and had presents for the kids at Christmas. And Fred was trying to drop it off at the church, which we keep locked because of a school. And it was a real sort of like uh, comedy of errors trying to connect. And uh, but then our eyes met across a crowded parking lot. <laughs> and um, and Fred ended up being sort of uh, better at everything that I was thought I was kind of good at. I'm well read, but Fred is better well read. I thought I was kind of good at guitar and you saw how he uh, puts me to shame and uh, I thought I could preach and then I heard uh, Fred preach and he's he, but he's turned into a real good friend and uh, welcome brother. It's fun to do this together. Do you want to just share the same mic? Well, no, I don't want your Sure. <laughs> All right. All right. There was a, there's a truck driver. He was driving down the road and he had a special delivery to make. And it, he had a, he had a, a very special truck with, uh, with about 50 penguins in the back and he was delivering from the zoo. And, and as he was making his way, the truck, like smoke started coming out of it from under the hood and, and he pulled over and the truck wasn't going anywhere. So he called dispatch and said, listen, I got this delivery to make. I have to take these penguins to the zoo and, and I'm not going to make it. Can you send like a repair guy? And they said, OK, we have to get those trucks to the zoo right away. So so we're going to send a repair guy. We're also going to send another truck. So he's standing uh, waiting there and, and he sees a, a truck from his company come by. He flags him over. He goes, you know, these are the penguins. I need to take him to the zoo. Uh, the, the dispatch told me to give you like my per diem, which is it was about a thousand dollars. Just go with it and 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 the sends the guy off to take the penguins to the zoo. And as he's standing there waiting for, for the repair guy, another truck comes comes by and the driver comes out and goes, I'm here to pick up the penguins. And he thinks, oh no. And all of a sudden he's getting calls from dispatch. Where are the penguins? Because they, you know, they're, they're waiting for them at the zoo and, and he gets his truck repaired and he's driving around like for over a day and he's in real trouble. And as he's driving around one day, he sees that truck driver, the first one walking down the road with all these penguins in a line behind him, just walking down the street. True story. <laughs> Is it? And, and he, so he pulls over, he hogs, he stops, he goes, hey, you were supposed to take these penguins to the zoo. I gave you $1,000 to take the penguins to the zoo. And, and the guy says, well, I did. We had money left over, so we're going to go see Barbie now. Hey! <laughs> I don't know if I'm dating myself, uh, but I actually... I knew someone who got deeply involved in this online multiplayer game called World of Warcraft. Just raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Okay. You've just passed the cool test, I guess. And here's the thing, though. Um, the challenges were so intriguing. The level ups caused probably that endorphin rush. They'd spend, I'm not kidding, 10 hours after work deeply involved in this. They'd play through the night um, at the expense of a fiancé. Uh, real life friends, uh, even their spiritual community until eventually 
their job was on the line. They were cutting their job one day, two days, and um, started calling in sick. I think you know where this is going until they lost that good job. This is not an isolated story, by the way. I bet you if we passed the mic, we would know people who um, sort of gave their life to something that is so inconsequential. In fact, there's this woman from Toronto who started a support group called GameWidows.com, or some refer to it as Widows of Warcraft. And look, there's a there's a, a lot of people from my generation and younger who spend a lot of time with strangers that they call buddies who are trying to uh, battle an imaginary enemy, liberate a made up people, uh, usher in a phony kingdom in, in some sort of fantasy video game. And, and this is not some anti video game rant, by the way, that not at all is, but it's a small example of a profound soul issue. I would, I would even be so bold as to say that right now there is a crisis of meaning in our generation, a generation looking for something meaningless and a meaning that I think only Jesus can offer. So what does it have to do with penguins? The guy had a job to do and he lost the point of the purpose. Right. He lost the meaning of the job. Now, I went to see the Barbie movie, not with penguins. I went with my wife and this is not an anti Barbie rant. Um, but, and I don't want to give any, any spoilers if anybody has any, any inkling to see this movie at all. It was, it was um, time away from my wife that I, I wouldn't have chosen to spend $15 to do that, but she wanted to see the movie. And, but in the story, it's, it's almost a Pinocchio like story where, where Barbie doesn't understand her meaning and purpose. And there's, there's a journey to find that out. And, and, and towards the end, she's able to choose her identity. And, and that's a bit of a story that mirrors the story of our culture that, that people don't understand meaning and purpose, but the message we're told is to find yours, choose yours. So you find your own purpose. I mean, you write your own story. And, um, you know, sometimes we write it in, in, in partnership with others. And, and sometimes our story is a mess and the search for meaning dissolves. And sometimes a story isn't a mess. Sometimes we achieve everything we want and then ask the question, is this all there is? What, what meaning is there in this? And, um, Postmodernism says that there's no there's no grand story. There's all small stories. It's your story. It's your truth. It's your story. And and so we find our story. We find our meaning in all different places. We find it in in security and safety. You know, if if I can just be safe and make my kids safe and make sure my my uh, bank account is full enough to take care of the future or or pleasure. You know, entertainment. The, the leveling up in video games or some people give their lives to fix the world. There's all kinds of problems. People go, I find meaning in making the world a better place. And, and some people are still playing the winning game. If I, if I finish the game of life with the biggest bank account and the most toys, then I'm winning. In fact, there's a, I don't know if you've heard of the Tate brothers. Uh, a lot of guys are gravitating to this, this really toxic message that it's, it's all about ending up with the most toys. And that's it. But at the bottom of it is find it yourself. Choose your own identity. Yeah. And I just to hijack or, or, or uh, um, talk about that idea that we can find meaning in a cause. You know, like I see this in schools lately that 
character development seems to be replaced sometimes by cause development. So even the young, the very young are being taught to embrace a cause in the hope that the cause can give them this sense of purpose and meaning. Like maybe if we replace the plastic straws in the cafeteria, you know, it will give my life meaning or, or look and I'm not disparaging those things I recycle these are good things you know voter awareness charitable acts good things but the inclination from the world of warcraft set comes from I believe this innately good desire a deep desire a desire to be part of a team a desire to be on a mission to defeat evil, to set the captives free for the glory of a great king and a kingdom. And what I'm suggesting is those are actually available to you in real life. If, if, if only this young man I knew who had lost all meaningful connection to his community, if, if he had caught a vision of the real mission and purpose and tribe that was available to him, you know, that he was actually needed on the front lines of this life. So in our culture today, if, you, if you've traveled at all, um, if you're aware of history at all, you should know that, that we are sort of at the, at the tail end maybe of unprecedented peace and prosperity. And we have, in our culture, we have everything we need, food, clothing, and, and yet people still carry all this meaninglessness. There's a, an author last century, uh, G.K. Chesterton, who said, despair doesn't come from the meaningless of pain. Despair comes from the meaningless of pleasure. Hmm. And people don't know what to do with that. And, and if you're, if you're a, like a real skeptic, like if you're a naturalist and say, you know, we are just the product of biology and we're the product of evolution, the product of matter, um, then you might come to the conclusion that we are naturally pattern-seeking beings because this is how, how we evolved to survive, right? Where you see patterns. And so we see meaning where there isn't meaning, which begs the question, why would we be meaning-seeking creatures if meaning didn't exist? Hmm. That's a question. Nietzsche, of all people, said, he whose life has a why can bear any how. And uh, we are a people in search of a why, W-H-Y. There's a slew of books lately, Simon Sinek, you know, uh, to start with why. I uh, see Jeff DeWolves here, he recommended a book, uh, Know Your Why. And uh, you may have heard this story before. I can't attest to the historical veracity of it, but but as laborers were wor laborers were working on one of the great uh, British cathedrals in London a few centuries ago, the story goes that that a writer thought he would ask the various laborers, you know, what are you doing? And the first one said, well, I'm I'm cutting stone for 10 shillings a day. Uh, what does it look like? What's it look like I'm doing? That, how was that? Uh, what, what's it look like? Try it again. What's it look like I'm doing, right? Um, That's my character work. And uh, another worker said, I'm putting in, you know, 10 hours a day, you know. And But one of their co-workers said this, what am I doing? I'm helping construct one of the greatest cathedrals London has ever seen. That's a guy who, who gets it. If you haven't discovered it already, you will. There is such a poverty of meaning found in reduced narratives that begin and end with me, 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 me. And that's where people are told to start. Start with me and create, discover your own meaning. And it's no wonder people, especially younger people are struggling with anxiety. 
Start with yourself and find meaning. And there's um, there's all kinds of, again, we talked about the narratives you can pursue. There's, there's illegitimate things you can pursue, right? You know, we don't normally endorse, actually we don't at all endorse mass murder as finding meaning, right? So, so people are struggling to find meaning and yet I believe that it comes from outside of us. Hmm. There's an ancient philosopher, uh, he wrote a book called Ecclesiastes and in it he says that God has placed eternity within our hearts. And there's a hint there of where the path to meaning comes from. Yeah, you may not articulate it that way like uh, like the author of Ecclesiastes does, but I believe that all of us long to be part of a larger story, to find meaning not in success or fame or comfort or being liked. I actually think those stories are, are too small <laughs> for the good news, God's good news, the story that God wants to write in your life. And God's desire is to give you meaning in an otherwise meaningless world. Those small narratives just can't contain, you know, the desire for eternity in the human heart. They just, they aren't grand enough. So here we are as a bunch of followers of Jesus, you know, celebrating a Sunday morning, but we've been given a part in God's big story. Mm. And so we look back to, you know, the brokenness of ourselves, the brokenness of creation, but we're also part of that historical arc where God has stepped into history to make things right, to make things good. We see the historical record in history and in our own lives of his relentless love. And we see that love ultimately demonstrated in Jesus himself. Yeah, we've been talking this summer at Newmark Alliance, and I know Crosslands has done a similar series in the past about, um, we call it, This Is My Story. And it's been so cool hearing the personal stories of people here who clearly have uh, a God writing a redemptive story in their life. There is a big story that God is writing that begins in a garden and will one day end with a wedding feast. And it's, it'll be the greatest meal, the greatest celebration you've ever had. But in the meantime, if you allow him, we get to partner with God in this story of redeeming the world, being adopted into an everlasting family, being actually a source of hope and joy and reconciliation, literally changing the world, not achieved through politics or, or technology or wealth or globalization, but through the return of Jesus, who will dry every tear, who will right every wrong. He'll bring about justice where there's an injustice. He'll unite heaven and earth. What a story that is. So, so Hebrews 12 verse two calls Jesus the, the pioneer and perfecter of faith in, in the new international version. Other translations say he's the author of our faith. And in one sense, um, we, I think we have to acknowledge that meaning doesn't come internally from anything. So if, if you're, if you're looking up the meaning of a word, a word never defines itself. You have to look at an external source like a dictionary. And if the word is in the definition, then we call that a circular definition. It doesn't define itself. So when we, when we need to find meaning, we are intended to go to the author of our lives for meaning. Even in, even in the Barbie movie, I don't want to preach Barbie here, but even in the Barbie movie, her identity is somewhat informed by the creator of Barbie. We have to go to an external source. And uh, Jesus is the one who offers meaning in an otherwise meaningless world. Hmm. 
And I don't know about you. I just feel like it's so cool that the creator, the sustainer of the universe, the the uncaused first cause, the author, perfecter of our faith, it actually invites us to partner with him. You know, we're not pawns in some uh, cosmic uh, chessboard uh, overseen by a grand manipulator. We actually get to partner in his mission, in his kingdom. The music is being written by a great composer and and we're part of the orchestra i think of johan i think of of um uh lori jolliker playing flute you know they get to be part of an orchestra and their parts sound nice alone but man when all those instruments come together under the leadership of a great and good conductor oh man that that's exciting I don't want to date myself here, but I probably can't help it. And some of you will date yourself too, if you know what I'm talking about. You remember the, remember the old Batman? No, 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 no. Yeah, not the Tim Burton Batman, but all the way back yeah. in the 60s. Really, really cheesy show. And there was this one episode, I can't remember whether it was the Riddler or the Joker. And he he um, he has this device where he, he eliminates all the moisture out of everybody sitting around the table at the UN. And they end up being this little pile of powder. Do you remember, you remember that episode? Holy moisture, Batman. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> And the reality is, if you were to if you were to reduce the the elements of y your physical body to to the basic elements, you would be something sixty five percent oxygen, eighteen percent carbon, uh, ten percent hydrogen. Hydrogen is the most ubiquitous material in the universe. Uh, you got some nitrogen, and you got traces of a whole bunch of other stuff like like potassium and sulfur, sodium, chlorine, magnesium, and a bunch of other stuff. And the reality is, if you were to if you were to take all those those reduced elements and sell them, it'd be worth somewhere between a dollar and $20, okay? So the stuff we're made of, first of all, it's not worth that much money. And the second thing is you can't just combine those elements and go, okay, meaning comes from that. So where does meaning come from? I'm gonna tell a story, take a bit of time. I've told this story at Crossings before, but it's been like over 10 years. So I think I can get away with it. When our, when our kids were really young um, and we lived in a small town in BC, to get anywhere, to do anything reasonable, I was gonna say meaningful, but to do anything that was like other than bowling, we had to go to the next town over, it was about 40 minutes away. And so we piled the family in, into the van, into the car seats and so on. And, and we drove to the next town. And, and just out of curiosity, they had a store there called Liquidation World. And we went to this Liquidation World where they have like expired cereal and dented furniture and stuff. And we're just looking through it and stuff. And, and our older son, Judah, found this, this little stuffed monkey and he immediately fell in love with it. And so we bought it. It was three dollars and he absolutely fell in love with this little stuffed monkey when we got home he asked me to write his name on the sole of the foot like toy story he saw the movie he's like this is what i want and and he could not go to bed any, at night at all without this monkey so if it's bedtime and he can't find the monkey our entire lives our household is turned upside down until we find the stupid monkey so we can go to sleep and there was one day my wife is 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 artsy and she goes through these cycles of, of creativity and one day it was creativity day and i'm at work and she decides today is the day for portraits black and white film not like on a phone because we didn't have those back then she buys a roll of black and white film she tells the boys it's picture day today the boys did not think it was picture day so we have like 24 pictures of them mostly crying 
okay, because they were not in the mood. And, and in order to try to bribe them into taking pictures, she took a picture of Monkey and said, look, Monkey's taking a picture. And then it sat in the fridge for a few months until we finally got it developed. And we got it developed, and there's this little picture of Monkey. What do you do with it? And we had one of those little picture frames that wasn't the kind that Michelle would put anywhere in the visible part of the house. So it went in the boys' bedroom, and it had all the little, the little holes for different sized pictures. And there was a tiny little hole right in the middle, perfect for Monkey. And so she cut the little picture out, and Monkey's right in the middle of the picture, and all the other family pictures are around it. Very cute. Um, we decided at one point we needed a new vehicle. So we couldn't buy one in town because there's nothing there besides bowling. And we drove to the next town and she started to test drive vehicles. And I took the boys to the mall. And in the mall, they had like a play place. And I took the boys in the play place. You could, you know, pay some money and spend a few hours there. And they had like ball pits and swings and padded things you could throw people at and stuff like that. And, um, and we were in there for, for an hour, hour and a half. And she's taken a long time. She's taking a really long time. So we, we finally, I, I got bored. I said, guys, let's just go to the rest of the mall. Let's go to Future Shop, because they used to have a store called Future Shop. You look at electronics and stuff. And we were probably at Future Shop for about half an hour. And I was struck with a feeling of horror in the pit of my stomach as I looked down at Judah, because I knew he went into the play place with his monkey in his hand, and now it was not in his hand. And we walked back to the play place, and we went in, and we told them we need to find this thing and we looked everywhere, by which time Michelle had come back and we searched everywhere in that play place for that monkey and we couldn't find it anywhere. And we went back home, half an hour drive home without the monkey and that night we were putting Judah to bed and Judah picked up that picture frame and he held it close to him and said, I miss my monkey. What do you do? So we, we appealed to the creator of the universe we petitioned him. And the next week we drove back. It had been a year since we were at Liquidation World. We went back to Liquidation World to look at all the expired cereals and dented furniture. And we thought, we got to find this monkey. What are the chances that you're going to find this monkey that they were selling a year ago? And we looked around the store and all of a sudden we, we saw a big box full of the same monkey, but they were like orange and green. Like that is not the right monkey. So we were so desperate. I don't, you're not supposed to do this in tour. We pulled the box off to go to the box underneath and it was full of monkeys that were purple and yellow. We, were, we pulled that box off and at the bottom there was a box full of the same monkey. And they were priced at $2 a piece now. <laughs> the $3 monkey was available for two and we're smart people. We have been blessed with wisdom. So we bought two. <laughs> so here's the question. Why are we willing to turn the house upside down for a $2 monkey? How does a $2 monkey get that kind of meaning and value? And the reason is because my son loved it. Doesn't matter whether your physical constitution is valued between a dollar and $20. You have value because God loves you and he turned the universe upside down to invite you into his family because that's where meaning comes from. Wow. So uh, as we wrap up, uh, is it success that has given you purpose and meaning in your life? Is it climbing the corporate ladder, saving for retirement? If so, let me ask you this. How's that, how's that working out for you? Has it kind of scratched the soul itch that you have? Um, how long are you going to stay in that inferior paradigm? Is it some cause that has given you great purpose and meaning? I would say this. Jesus isn't a cause. He is a real 
and living person who can be known and loved and experienced and followed and embodied. And he loves you beyond all measure. I Sometimes Fred and I get opportunities to officiate a funeral. And there's times where we may not know the person. And when I listen to the eulogies and I hear about how oh, grandpa loved baseball and he had a great cigar collection and grandma loved the cottage and she loved her knitting and he was a great businessman and she was such a great cook. And, and as I'm listening to this, I'm saying, oh, please, please, Tell me that they love Jesus. Tell me that they love Jesus, the only one who can offer meaning in an otherwise meaningless world. I'm going to invite the team to come back up. And I, I have a challenge for you. If this has somehow resonated with you, if you are in search of purpose and meaning in your life, we're not going to center anybody out or have you come forward. But, oh, would you please, would you please talk to one of us? And um, I can... I can tell you that there is great purpose and meaning in life. I have found it. We're going to sing a song that says, I will actually build my life upon this rock named Jesus, who is a sure foundation. And so um, you have seen some of the pastors. I know there's elders and different people uh, in ministry from both churches. We would just love to talk to you about your soul. Uh, about purpose, about meaning. And I look around, I see some of the faces of people who I know have found that in their life, coming from a sense of emptiness, a sense of meaninglessness, and found their hope and their meaning in Jesus. I wonder, would you just stand with me and in your program are the lyrics to this song? 